1: Talk is about
0: to begin. Hey, hey, hey! Come on in.
2: Welcome back to the Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug LaMaurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. We're going to talk about the Ohio State defense today. We're going to do some depth chart adjusting later in the week. We'll take rapid-fire questions later in the week. We'll talk about freshmen who might play in the fall later in the week because everybody loves to talk about true freshmen. We'll talk about recruiting later in the week. We'll talk about confidence levels by position groups later in the week. At least that's the plan. So we have a lot to sort of wade through. This is and, and we think we may get some Ohio State people to talk to sometime this week and if we talk to them we'll tell you what they said and we'll talk about that but this is kind of going to be wrapping up i think this week a lot of what we learned final conclusions that we gleaned from spring practice and then next week we'll get heavy into draft prep where we think ohio state guys will go we'll maybe have a couple experts on make our predictions for where ohio state guys are going to be drafted and then next week obviously the draft is thursday friday saturday but this is a good wrap-up week to do this. And I think the defense guys is, you know, kind of the thing um, that people are curious about. So I I saved this rapid fire question for a long time from the last time we did rapid fire, like three weeks ago or so it's from the eight Oh one. When the season is over, where will the Ohio state defense finish in the national rankings? That's from the eight Oh one. And the reason I think this is an important question is not because Being a top 10 defense is unto itself a goal. It's like, congratulations, you're a top 10 defense. You went 10-2 and and finished 11th in the country and didn't make the playoff. Would that make anybody happy? Like, ah, we finished ninth in defensive efficiency, though. That's not the point. The point is you usually have to be pretty good on both sides of the ball to be a playoff team, right? Like last year, Ohio State wasn't. They were really good on one side, not as good on the other. We're going to talk about some of the historical stats from the playoff. But I think Nathan and Steven, as the committee evaluates you, they always like balance, even if it's stupid, they lean toward it. So actually being good on both sides of the ball might help you get in the playoff if you have a loss and you're in competition with other teams. So being good on both sides is a destination for that reason, because it might help you get in. But generally it's hard to be lopsided and be a national champion in college football. Like it's, you know, defense doesn't win championships. Both things together win championships most of the time. So that's why we're talking about this. So there's two parts of this I think we need to talk about. We we'll want to talk about what we think of the Ohio State defense, what we glean from the spring game, and then we'll talk about context. But why don't we get into football first? Steven, we'll start with you and just like this general idea. Based on what we saw in the spring game, the players we know to be back anticipating everybody who will be healthy in September. Should we expect that the Ohio state defense will be better in 2021 than it was in 2020?
0: Yeah. I I think that's the easy part of that answer just because I mean this, they didn't get sacks and they couldn't stop anybody from throwing the ball. If you had any type of competent quarterback, I think this year they're going to get some some sacks so that helps that out but then also there's options in the secondary so you're not stuck with a group of guys who can't stop a pass so yeah just based off the personnel alone there'll be a better defense are we in agreement on that
2: assumption Nathan like are we past? is that a given are we at of course, that when we'll get into the rankings, what they were last year, they were 47th in defensive efficiency. But like, of course, they'll be better than that. Like, do we not even not need to talk
1: about that that much? Because we know what the answer is. Well, the, the ranking, I think, at the end of the year will absolutely be better. That's a different question than asking if they will be better. But I also think that is true, too. I think they will also be better as as we'll get into later. I mean, they played such a big portion of their schedule last year against Alabama, Clemson and what Michael Penix did in the second half of that game, that it, it skews some of the numbers a little bit, quite frankly. Now that's not to say that they actually were that good as a pass defense. Obviously we've covered that a lot, but I think they will take a step forward. Will they jump all the way back up to where they had been kind of consistently until last year? I guess I shouldn't say consistently. They've had some other dips in there. 2018 was a dip, but I mean, what was that for the last five years, you would argue that this was a top, for the five years previous to 2020, you would have argued this was maybe a top 10 defense or you would have had no argument that they were a top 10 defense in college football. And then last year, kind of falling all the way off of that, especially from a pass defense standpoint. I think they're going to be better. I just don't know if I expect a surge all the way back to that sort of um, elite standard.
2: So why don't we get into the stats a little bit? You and I both dug some up, Nathan. Um, why don't you talk about the stats that you grabbed related to last year again we're just resetting the context
1: here for everybody the stats related to last year and then also if you have anything going back to for comparison's sake I went back to 2012 I, I usually try to go back and get like a decade but 2011 such a weird year so I went back to 2012 and every year in there except two, Ohio State had been at least a top 50 defense just in terms of total defense like yards allowed and that's a little bit of a un-nuanced way to look at this and you're going to get in some better numbers here in a little bit but for instance last year 122nd in in passing offense in terms of passing yardage allowed it was actually 87th in quarterback efficiency rating allowed which is better but still bad i think that kind of helps put in context that this was a a team that dropped off the cliff a little bit but as recently as 2019 it was the number one defense in the country in total defense number one against pass defense because you had jayton because you had two first round cornerbacks so other than 2018, between 2014 when they won the national championship and last season, 2018 was the only blip. Every other season in there, uh, 19th in total defense, 9th in total defense, 6th in total defense, 9th in total defense, and then 1st, as I said, in 2019. So it had been pretty consistently one of the best defenses in the country, and it was only really last year where the pass defense sank to the the point that it did. 2018 also not good, but, you know, Last year, the pass defense, because we saw how good the run defense it was, the run defense was still sixth in the nation in total yards allowed for for rushing. So it was really the first time in this in this whole period, I guess maybe you could say twenty thirteen was in, uh, the same way, but where one side of the one part of the defense was kind of holding the whole defense back.
2: So part of it is, as you said, they played twenty five percent of their games against Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones. Devontae Smith, John Metchie, Jalen Waddle limping around. And normally, like, if if you don't make the playoff, actually, like, your defensive numbers probably will be better because then you don't have to – if you make the championship game, you play two playoff games against good offenses. And sometimes, hey, we didn't make the playoff. Then we played a bowl game against a team we're better then. And your stats are better. So, again, I looked at the pro football uh, – not pro – at the football outsiders numbers. And they're all similar to what Nathan said. But, but it is the point of um, – in that overall efficiency rating, which takes everything into account, which takes opponent, um, which it, strength of schedule, opponent, you know, passing, rushing defense, scoring defense. Since 2012, they were 20th, 57th in 2013. When they almost played in the national title game, they were 57th in the country, which was not great. 2014, they won the national title. They were 14th. Then 7th, 3rd, 6th. 48th in 2018 when they stunk, second in 2019, 47th last year. So, again, that was a dip last year. The bottom line, guys, is they were below their own standard last year. And they kind of were below the standard of a typical playoff team. And we will get into that a little bit. But as we set that foundation, there are two things at play then of why they were, they, they were below their standard. One is scheme. Two is personnel. We can't know about Scheme. And I think if you have questions about Scheme and the coaching, Scheme is the coaching, that will linger because you can't answer that in spring. They didn't change how they lined up. They've instituted the bullet, right? That's a little different. If that's how they're going to defend most teams, but it's not, you know, they still played single high safety in the spring game. Maybe they'll change that for the fall. Who knows? But we can't know that yet. We can get a handle on talent. And what I wrote for Monday and what I've come around on and just looking at stuff is I think we knew this as it happened last year, but I, I feel like I, I got a better handle on it. Second year players in a great program. I, in this story I called it like a shot of adrenaline for a great program that nobody counts on true freshmen really helping you. I mean, if you get true freshmen, if Jack Sawyer helps them this year, bonus. Raquan McMillan helped Ohio State as a true freshman win the national championship in 2014, bonus. Maybe that comes along every couple of years. You can't really count on it. But you can anticipate that in year two, guys help you. And that, that was what they had in 2014. Joey Bosa, Von Bell, Eli Apple, Darren Lee. Those are second year guys who were starters, right? In 2020, that's the 2019 recruiting class in their second year. That class had nine players who were ranked. First of all, the 2019 class was the transition class from Ryan Day to Urban Meyer. So it was smaller. There's only 17 players. They only had nine players in the top 300. Of those nine players in the top 300, only three were defensive players. And one of them, Cade Stover, moved offense. So there are only two top 300 recruits left as second-year guys last year. Who can help us as second-year guys on defense in 2020? The options were Zach Harrison, who did it, and Ronnie Hickman, who really didn't. But that's it. And then, like, Lathan Ransom, as a first year guy, helped you in the semifinal, played 28 snaps, was a real dude, played nine snaps against Alabama. But that that was right at the end of the year. So, like, really, among first and second year guys on the defense last year, it was Zach Harrison and a little bit of Lathan Ransom at the end of the year, and that was it. I thought, based on the spring game, Now, when you look at the class of 2020 and now they will be second year guys this season, you can see how the second year guys can help you. And I thought there were at least six second year guys plus Jack Sawyer, plus two third year guys in Craig Young and Ronnie Hickman who didn't do much last year. That is like nine new shots of talent for this defense. It's Lathan Ransom, Cam Martinez, and Ryan Watson in the secondary. It's Darian Henry, Young on the defensive line. It's Cody Simon at linebacker, and I'm doing it off the top of my head. Who am I forgetting? Now I'm a, I'm forgetting the sixth guy. Oh Craig man, Young. I what's that? Did you say Craig Young? Yeah, but he's a third year guy. He's oh, not. Okay. You were he's not him, a second year yeah. guy. Oh, I Court thought Williams. I was gonna, Court Williams. Williams is the th- is the other guy because he didn't play right. Mm-hmm. So. Darren Henry Young, Court Williams, Cody Simon, and the three secondary guys, plus Craig Young and Ronnie Hickman, plus Jack Sawyer. That's nine guys who didn't help you last year, who I absolutely think could help them this year. And they didn't get that shot of adrenaline for last year's defense. And at a place like Ohio State, it's hard to play early, but yet you anticipate it. Right? We always say first two years on the player, third year, you no, know, first two years on the coaches, third year on the player, but there's a lot of guys who break through in the second year. James Laurenidas won the you know the Buckus Award in his second year. Like guys break through all the time. Nobody on that defense other than Zach Harrison broke through as a second-year player last year as a combination of the recruiting class and the pandemic, right? And that was the outcome. Steven, when I think about nine shots of adrenaline. I know they lost guys, six or seven defensive starters. I know that. But the shots of adrenaline are here. If you have lingering scheme questions, I get it. We can't answer them until the games start. I don't have lingering talent questions about this defense, because I think there are enough options to raise the level back to the standard that Ohio State expects from its defensive talent. And I thought the spring game was a nice confirmation of
0: that. I like the second year part of it, just because there is something to, you know what you're doing. Right, and when you get here as a true freshman, there's a lot of things you're learning. You're learning how to be a college athlete. You know, you're learning. How, you're learning in a whole new playbook, depending on when you get here. Whether I mean, you brought up Lathan Ransom and the fact that he was helping out in the Big Ten Championship and in the Alabama and in the playoff. He didn't get here till the to the summer, so he was. He was even further behind than some of those other 2020 guys who were early enrollees. So there is something to, you get to the Woody, you already kind of know what you're doing. And so now you can focus on your development. You can focus on taking that next step. And that got taken, a lot of the, oh, I know what I'm doing, got taken away last year because of a pandemic. So now they're kind of playing catch up and they're able to kind of get into the developmental stage and now they can help because things are back to normal and they know what they're doing. Quick break. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk.
2: Back on Buckeye Talk. Nathan, is is that – do you agree with the talent shot? Because and, – and one of the things that, that I think we talked about all last year was, it wasn't like there was an opportunity. We know everybody was blocked at linebacker, right? We get it. But especially in the secondary, it was like, well, if there were some guys, there would have been some chances, right, if, if guys had been ready and they just didn't really have the guys – it wasn't, they were blocked. So they just, it feels like to me, they have more guys ready to step forward in a way
1: where they just, they just didn't have the same guys stepping forward a year ago. You had last year kind of a perfect storm. There was right in the middle of that vortex between some older guys who either couldn't contribute like Cam Brown getting hurt so early in season or um, Tyree Johnson who just never really stepped forward and, and demanded a bigger role so so that veteran presence that could have helped you was missing and then we've we've obviously debated this and i think i agree with the coaches up to a point i think at some point as we've talked about here you probably do have to like make the leap of faith but i i do understand that you didn't get as much time to develop or even evaluate the the, the younger guys who probably really weren't ready for a a frontline big 10 role i understand that so it really was it was like the perfect storm at, at the wrong time because there was obviously so much opportunity for and, and so in and, and a defense that needed answers so badly and I like the thing that jumps out to my mind is like going into even the Michigan State game I think we fully expected that that was the game where Josh Proctor was going to take over as the free safety and then Josh Proctor can't play because he I think had, had tested positive before the game so now Marcus Hooker keeps his job and he did actually find that game but it was just another example of like they could just never catch a break as far as really setting things up the way they wanted to. And I think the most positive thing coming out of this, because I've been rewatching the game today and trying to take a lot of notes, and I'm still finding things that people did wrong. I'm finding guys getting caught flat footed on play action and and giving up a bomb. Um, I'm seeing guys who blew chances for interceptions. We're seeing other opportunities. You know, we, we dinged um, Jack Miller for missing, Uh, was it Jameson Williams on that uh, route in the, or I can't remember, maybe it was Jackson Smith, the jig, but overthrowing him in the end zone. But really that's a blown coverage too. And that that goes against the defense. Like there are plenty of those moments Mm -hmm. from the spring game. But you are still seeing an accumulation of guys who are making enough plays that you think, okay, well, at least now, at least they have something to evaluate. And on top of that, the evaluation is, is promising. There's guys making plays. There's guys who look comfortable out there. I think that's going to be important. And then, and let's not forget, they were missing important guys on this defense. So it really is for the spring game. So it really is almost sort of about that building in that second layer that is so crucial.
0: Which is to the point, though, you know, last year they lost everything, and now they're getting an abundance of opportunities because of the guys in front of them not being available. So they literally are making up for lost time.
2: Because there, there are some guys back, right? When you improve, how do you improve? You either have the guys who were back play better than they did, or you have new guys play better than the old guys did. So there are room, there's definitely, I think, expectation that, well, maybe seven banks will be better. Cam Brown was hurt, but he'll be back. He'll be better. Josh Proctor will be better. Zach Harrison will be better. Tyreek Smith will be better. Haskell Garrett will be as good. He made some All-American teams, right? But I don't, but you can't only, like, I don't think that's enough. I don't think it's enough that this defense will improve by the guys who are returning starters being better than last year, and then the guys who are filling in being the same as the guys were last year, right? They need. Some new guys to stand out in addition to the improvements. But when I think of Lathan Ransom and Craig Young and Court Williams and Ryan Watts, I think of a depth, right? When Cam Martinez, if a guy goes down, I think they'll be better. I think of if you want to rotate guys a little bit against past happy teams to keep guys fresh, you might have better depth to do it. And Nathan. And I think we're going to get into this on the big Wednesday pod. We're going to sort of reevaluate the depth charts that you made after the season ended. There have to be some places where, I mean, Steven's been on the Cody Simon at linebacker thing for a while. You know, we're making assumptions about Cam Brown. He's been hurt. Is Ryan Watts ready to, to battle for a starting job at outside corner? Some spots where, Oh, these guys might take jobs too, right? That that's, that's part of it. There might be some guys who haven't played much yet. that are going to play a lot in 2021.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but on the broadcast of the spring game, Ryan Watts is running back to his sideline. I can't remember which team that was. And, you know, people are going crazy like it's a real interception, a real game. But, like, two of the first guys coming off to congratulate him were uh, Cam Brown and Marcus Williamson, who weren't playing in that game. We knew Cam Brown was hurt. We don't know what the, the issue was with, with Marcus Williamson. But that said something to me. that like I think that there's a probably a recognition from this entire defense that last year was below the standard. It's especially on the back end of this defense to be better. And I think they know that it can really kind of only happen collectively. They're going to have to all be better. Uh, I think it's, it's what you're seeing now from Ryan Watts, it, it, it's, it's twofold. I mean, guys like Ryan Watts, guys like Cam Martinez – guys we can name other guys in the secondary it's important that they get better but them getting better can make everybody better them getting better pushes people last year you didn't have guys getting pushed in practice during the season probably people like how much did these guys that we had some trepidation about watching them play football how much of them how many of them were really worried about their job did those guys have to you know at slot corner at free safety did you have to worry about your job last year because you kind of knew the guy behind you didn't really have a clue yet what was going on
0: and then from a scheme standpoint I mean, your scheme also is dictated by what your personnel is. And if your personnel was limited in what they could actually do, it's why we saw a lot of basic stuff last year. While this year, you've got options in personnel, which means you've got options with scheme. Hence, the bullet now exists.
2: And it's one of those things where when you're – like coming off the – the more you evaluate this kind of thing and you start doing context whatever, it really makes you feel like, man, that 2019 defense – I. Can't believe they didn't beat Clemson like that defense. Oh my God, it was awesome. But then when they were gone, you missed them. It was like, how do you place Chase Young? Well, I don't know. How do you replace Jeff Okuda? I don't know. How do you replace Jordan Fuller? Which we probably underestimated at the time, but it's like, uh, I don't know. Right? Like you you felt how do you place David
1: Arnett, right? I mean, like you felt the losses. How do you play sean wade as a slot corner when he moves outside i mean just things right. like that like they just every every hole you plugged created a new hole Buckeye talk
2: so i think that this is one of the things is as you sit here now listen they lost six very good players on defense very good players i mean all six of their starters that they lost off this defense are going to get drafted I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure if Jonathan Cooper might be the only, maybe everybody else is going to get drafted, but let me, and this is not, this is not to personally attack any individual Ohio state player. We're just trying to have a realistic opinion of how they were last year and what they have behind them now, who they have filling in now. Right. Because that's the deal at Ohio state. Most of the time you think you're irreplaceable. Well, you know, you don't even think it because you know, because you've been a practice and you're like, oh, this guy behind me, he's just as good or better than me. It's Ohio State. There's always somebody next. So let's just think about this. Tough Borland, and I'm not trying to be like a, a, a smart aleck about this, but like tough Borland, will they be okay without tough Borland? Steven, will they be okay without him? Yeah. Yeah. Nathan, Pete Werner, really good. Really good. Might be the first defensive player drafted. It's either going to be him or Baron Browning, but Pete Werner, very good player. Will they be okay without him or might they struggle to replace him a little bit?
1: Uh, I, I think there'll be, again, not to bring this all to a crashing halt. It's, you're talking individually is different than collectively, but yes, I think they can replace him.
2: And, and we can talk about the fact that they're probably going to play a bullet and two linebackers, not three linebackers, whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like that it's the guys on the field when they put 11 guys on the field and have them do different things. Will you look at out that field in 2021 and be like, oh man, they could really use Pete Warner. As good as Pete Werner was, no. I, I don't expect them to feel that right. because of it, maybe it's a combination of Craig Young and Ronnie Hickman and some of the stuff that Taraji Mitchell does and whatever. Because I guess Taraji Mitchell, if he's playing Will, that's what Pete Werner played last year. Like, would, do I think Pete Werner in 2020 is a better player than Taraji Mitchell will be in 2021? Yes, I do. If you gave me the option, I would take 2020 Pete Werner do I think it will leave a gaping hole in the defense that we will notice? Not really. I think it might go from like a, I mean, no offense, Pete Warner is not a 10. It's probably like a eight and a half to like a seven and a half or an eight. Right. But that's okay. I think they'll be okay. Baron Browning, Stephen, as much as we love Baron Browning, will they be okay?
0: Yeah, they'll be okay. Especially since that position is now two people.
2: Yeah, I think they'll be okay, Nathan, right? Like, we're going to watch Baron Browning. I think it's going to be more of, if we're all watching Baron Browning on Sundays, being like, where
0: was that? Why
2: didn't they? Mm-hmm. I just saw, like, another PFF thing that was, like, somebody said, like, would you rather take this guy or Baron Browning? It's like, I'd rather take Baron Browning, just as long as you don't play him in the middle. And it's like, don't, why are they all saying it? it
0: Bill, Baron Browning, he's <laughs> like.
2: did you say it? Why didn't you say it?
0: He's like Jordan Fuller the other way, where we all fully expect him to just be awesome at the NFL level, and you just be like, I knew it! I knew it! While with Jordan Fuller, it's like, eh, he's not going to be that much. It's like, oh, okay, Rams, pleasant surprise. It will be like it's,
2: – it's like Baron Browning. It's like, Baron Browning, good player at Ohio State, three-year starter, never made, like, first-team All-Big Ten, wasn't a first-round pick, but if he's not an All-Pro in the NFL, I'll be disappointed. It's like, yep. how can you have this much of an expectation on a guy who never – seem to tap the ceiling of his potential here but Nathan we agree like Baron Browning good player but will they be okay
1: yeah there's a point I want to make about the linebackers when we come to making our ranking but individually I think they're you're right it's not going to create some kind of a crater at any of those positions
2: again not to be a smart act but Sean Wade what we what we sort of thought Sean Wade would be then what he played to I think probably The criticism maybe went too far at times, but he also clearly did not play to the first round level of cornerback. So, Nathan, will they be okay? You know, but also, we don't know that Seven Banks is going to play to a first round level, right? But also, we don't know exactly – we don't know who's going to play outside corner. We don't know exactly what that snap breakdown is going to look like. So, in general, and you've made a good point, it's not about a one-to-one thing. But we're looking at these guys who played a lot of snaps. Collectively, will Ohio State be able to replace them? Will they be okay, or will they miss Sean Wait?
1: I think they'll be okay. It's still it's the second cornerback question that is still the bigger one.
2: Yeah. Steven, Tommy Togiai, really good player. Unique, right? Strong, kind of what you want from a guy at the nose. Antoine Jackson, maybe some Teron Vincent sliding over there, maybe some – Jerron Cage like maybe a little like Tommy Togi, really good had three sacks against Penn State will they be okay or will they miss him
0: they'll be okay because he was awesome last year but he's not it's not like he's the best nose tackle on the draft board right now and also we just think that pressure and those numbers are going to come from somewhere else on the defensive line
2: and I saw something I was just reading again you know it's this time of year we're all reading draft stuff it's like somebody was like there was some anonymous NFL executive that was like the defensive tackle class is actually not great this year. Then mm-hmm. it's like, and, and so he may, he may get drafted, you know, still pretty high, but you know, there's, I don't know that there's a lot of game changers at you know, defensive tackle this year. And then Jonathan Cooper, Nathan, we all respect every Ohio state fan listening to this understands how Jonathan Cooper helped the Buckeyes in 2020, but will they be okay without him in 2021?
1: They should be okay without him, but there's a reason why he was out there as often as he was last year, the consistency that he played with. So it's up to some of these guys who we think will be good to play with that same consistency, but they should be okay with that.
2: So let's do a little ranking right here. Not a ranking. We'll just say, so just the six guys I named, Sean Wade, Tommy Togia, Jonathan Cooper, Tuff Borland, Pete Werner, Baron Browning, Nathan, who among those will be the most missed? Who will
1: be the guy that will be the toughest to replace for this defense? Oh boy. Um, I, well, I think it might be Sean Wade, but again, it's only because you're asking that second corner to raise their level in a way that we haven't seen yet. I don't, I think that the seven bank standard was maybe not that far away from the Sean Wade standard. If he can replicate that, that's great. But I, I'm still, you have to go out there and find yet a second or third cornerback to play up to that standard too on the opposite side. And I, I, that's the one I have the most questions about right now. Steven, how about you? Who's the
0: di- most difficult? Who will they miss? Yeah, I think it's Sean, just because it's secondary, and that's where the issues were, and uh, you don't want that to get worse than what it was. Everywhere else, it seems like the the, the numbers won't go away. It's just the person getting those numbers is going to change. But with the secondary, because of how bad it was, that can't drop any further than that.
1: I almost answered Togi. I would uh, say togei. Have- yeah. That's because- what I was going to say. And because, I mean, we made a lot of uh, – it was great that he got those three sacks against Penn State, but noses aren't really supposed to get a lot of sacks. They tend to draw a lot of double right. teams. That's not a, a stat for a nose usually. I think his value was much more in just being this wall there and plugging things up and being that big bear in the middle. And I think Antoine Jackson and some of those other guys, maybe you can replicate that, in the agree. I mean, Toga played so many snaps last year. It seemed like he didn't come off the field very much relative to what they usually do with those guys. And I think maybe you can – 297. I think you can, like – collaboratively maybe replicate that a little bit so maybe that's how you fill it but like a direct one-to-one drop i think is that might be the biggest drop But, but let me ask you this about cornerback last year at outside
2: corner it was pretty much sean wade and seven banks played the vast 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 majority of the snaps if we assume this year it's going to be seven banks and then let's say cam brown ryan watts maybe throw Legend Cavazos in there if you want to. Maybe there'll be a rotation, whatever. But like, those are your three options, right? That, that if, they're not just going to play Cam Brown if he's not the best guy. Do you think that the combination of seven banks on one side and one of those three guys or a combination of those three guys on the other side will be better than what Sean Wade and seven banks were in 2020? I think Yes. Because if your whole point is that it's not about just Sean Wade, it's about well, if seven banks is that, then who places that? Are... I would take not knowing what it's going to look like in 2021 and knowing what it looked like in 2020. I would take seven banks and the possibilities at the other outside corner spot over what I know happened with Sean Wade and seven banks in 2020.
1: Uh, I, I understand why you would say that and. man, I would really be on the fence. That would be tough. Because the whole thing here is
2: like, we're just talking about they have nine guys. We just said this defense is going to get a shot of talent adrenaline from nine guys who haven't played. So we can't get too bogged down in, well, they've never done it. Well, that's the whole point. The whole point is we've seen guys who have done it and it wasn't good enough or it wasn't up to the typical Ohio State standard. So it's okay, I think, to put some faith in the guys who haven't done it. As you said, Ryan Watts had a pick. Then he got beat. Right. I mean, that's, that's the give and take, but I just think there are enough options and that if there's an injury or if some guy's not up to the standard or whatever, I just, I just think there are better options. And I know, I know that comparatively the cornerback play in 2020 wasn't up to Ohio state standard. I think this year it could be closer. Now, I don't think it's going to be Marshawn Lattimore Gary on Conley, but I think it'll be better than last year. I, I I am assuming. I know it's not a guarantee, but I certainly am assuming that right now, with with not much
1: trepidation. I think I'm. I guess as I sit here right today, I I think that the cornerback play might from those top two guys will more resemble what we saw last year. Maybe a little bit better from those two spots, and that's why I think it's so imperative that they really raise their play at free safety and at
0: slot corner. I will agree with the notion that there's a chance it might be better just because there's more options.
2: And I just think we're getting, we're creeping back towards more of the norm, right? That I understand, Stephen, we're not quite there from a recruiting standpoint that Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts weren't ranked as high as some of the cornerbacks who are going to be true freshmen in 2021. I know that. And again, we're not going to get into a world where we think the true freshmen are going to solve any cornerback issues. But I just think I I think we're getting close. I think we're creeping. I think like we're heading that way. So if, if, if cornerback play, I don't want to be too critical, but if cornerback play sort of hit a low in 2020, I think by 2022, it might be back to quote normal, right? But 2021 is on the way there. So it's a, it's above 2020 and it's not yet what it should be given the recruiting in 2022 or 2023. That this
0: would really be excited. a much more interesting conversation if either, if either, not even both, just one of them, either Jordan Hancock or J. J. Johnson would have early enrolled. Cause I know we don't want to put this much stock in true freshmen, but at that spot where you haven't had a top 100 guy and just that surge of talent coming in, I just think they would have made some things interesting. But especially I don't, but but I don't think year. that because we're talking
2: about that. We just said that doesn't ever happen they not And like, Jack Sawyer is rare. Raquan McMillan is rare. I still don't think – I don't think they would have changed the equation a ton, uh, honestly. I, I don't know that would have been like they would be ahead of Ryan Watts. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but even in a year where like seven and Cam aren't playing, so there's just like snaps galore for everybody else.
2: I know, but that was the spring. But I'm talking about like by the fall, I, I don't I, – I'm not anticipating that a true freshman – see, I, I'm not getting bogged down in that because that's outside the norm. I'm talking about Ohio state getting back to normal and it's not normal to rely on true freshmen to play super important roles in your defense. It's not, it is normal to expect second year players to do important roles. So I am just getting back in the flow of Ohio state defensive standards. And I think they're getting back in the flow, not all the way, but above 2020, go ahead, Nathan. What are you
1: going to say? Don't remember. (laughs) Oh, no, I was going going to agree with your point. I was going to agree with your point about the the transitional nature this year. I think we're going to be – people on this beat in 2022, 2023 are going to be writing about how 2021 was maybe the transitional year that got this secondary back to its standard. And I also was thinking that it's one of those things where I think we're going to see that progress through this season, too. That I don't know how much Ryan Watts and Legend Cavazos are ready to shut people down on day one. um, But by by week 11, week 12, postseason, I think we're – probably all writing if things go according to plan for Ohio State I think that's when you're writing about how those guys have developed even over the course of a year to the bigger impact that they can make people just have to be a little bit patient I think people I don't think should expect I mean what my first day on this beat my first game that I covered at this beat you had Chase Young chasing guys who were then trying to throw to receivers against Jeff Okuda and and Damon Arnett and Jordan Fuller and Sean Wade and it was like that that standard is still something that's in the distance
2: All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to do two things. We're going to try to say where we think this defense will wind up ranked in this efficiency metric, and, again, we'll reset what it's been, and then we'll talk about where playoff teams in the seven-year history of the playoff have ranked and what they need to be defensively to be a playoff team because, as we know, last year finishing 47th in deficiency – in defensive efficiency, ruined their season, and that's why they went three and five, which is which is also part of the conversation. With Mer- it's like we're talking, about, oh, this, oh, this repulsive defensive performance. Oh, they only were the second best team in the country. I can't believe it. It's awful, and it's like, okay, well, uh, be Clemson, like <laughs> it was good enough. I mean, it did stop the number one pick in the draft because he threw for 450 yards, but it beat him. So on some level, you know, we understand the issue. And I do, it's like, sometimes we talk about it and I'm like, you know, I, I posted my thing on Monday and I got like one like email response already. It was like, what about this? And I was like, they, they lost the national championship game. Like, what are you doing? And it's like, maybe like, you know, Like, do we have to throw a line into every story about the defense between now and the first game of the season? The Buckeyes, comma, who finished second in the country after losing the national championship game to Nick Saban's best team, comma, weren't as good on defense as they usually were. It's like, okay, but they also still found a way. All right, we'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. right you guys uh can help us make podcasts by being a tech subscriber just like our texter from the 801 did with this question so thanks to that texter if you want to get in on it spring game's over but you know it's nice to have ohio state football in your life and in your phone 614-350-3315 you send a text to there and you'll sign up you get 14 free days and then i don't know you can see what you think you like it? Oh, there's a little recruiting stuff from Steven. Oh, a little football analysis from Nathan. Oh, yeah, maybe a little get into some more bracket stuff. I don't know. Some weird stuff, you know, a little basketball stuff. I, I want to do five minutes on basketball. You know, let's do five minutes of basketball right now. So try the Texas 614-350-3315. So I'm not going to be a smart aleck about this. Um, I, I think Ohio State's in a weird spot. Like I don't think Chris Holtman's doing a good enough job. People think they might be the best team in the country next year. So like somewhere in between – What I think and what the national media thinks, listen, they had a five-star guy that they were the leader for that all of a sudden he delayed it. And it's like, you know what happens? This is why I'm a little, I don't know about JT Tumalao. If you're the leader for a guy forever, but he keeps delaying and delaying and delaying. And then it's like, well, is he just getting more sure about you? Or, you know, is he like, well, they're my leader, but I don't like, he doesn't want to pull the trigger. I don't think it's a great sign. Now, Terrell Pryor delayed. Ohio State was his leader. And then he picked Ohio State. So I see how it can happen. And JT Tumalao, maybe like Terrell Pryor. But Efren Reed, it was like Ohio State was it. And then it was like, no, Ohio State's not it. And then Ohio State was like, but aha! We got an Indiana backup who scores five points a game. Steven, listen, I'm not trying, I don't know anything. But As an outside observer, if a school is a leader for a guy and then all of a sudden they're not, I don't think I blame the school for not getting the guy because there's a little bit of like a, well, what happened there? And I'm not going to say anything more than that. So I get it. But also I don't want to go down the road of like, well, there's no close in recruiting. Like I'm not giving them any credit. And if there was ever a point where like they were banking on this guy, then that was a mistake, but I guess they weren't banking on him. But also the idea of like, Hey, we didn't get the five-star, but we got the, the backup that Chris Holtman recruited 13 years ago. Like, I'm not impressed. I understand why Reed didn't happen. And I'm not holding that against Chris Holtman or Ohio state, but also like, don't, don't throw an Indiana backup at me and and make me think like, oh, well that's just as good too. Right. So I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to be realistic. I'm not taking a shot at Ohio state. I get it. Swimming with five stars can be really difficult. And I feel like, and I saw, I saw it happen to Fad Mata too. It just, is really difficult. It's hard to lock them down, man. And I almost feel bad for Ohio state that it didn't happen, but also Steven, It didn't happen. So don't like bait and switch me and try to make me think that this is almost as good.
0: Yeah. (laughs) JT Tumulau is the perfect (laughs) comparison to this. So so there's a lot of similarities except in one spot from the outside looking at it, it at least looks like JT Tumulau has a plan and he's sticking to it regardless of what happens. And it's, I want to visit these schools and I'm not picking anybody until I visit them. And the fa- yes, he's been favored to Ohio state forever. And that's also the only school that the entire family, not just him, the entire family hasn't been to. So that matters that that's what he's holding out for. It's I want to see the school in person that everybody thinks I'm already going to. So that's at least a good thing from a football aspect with Efton Reed. He was favored to Pitt. He was favored to Florida state, Ohio state kind of all over the place. And
2: uh- And but on the podcast, the last podcast we had, you thought he was you're right,
0: you're right, I did you're 100% because that's what I've been told they felt good about where they were now. But also, there's the added layer of with basketball, the G League that exists, and that's something football doesn't have to deal with. So, with this situation, as a basketball coaching staff, you have to go, okay, how long do we want to wait out here before we want to finish our roster if we're not sure where this is going to go? And I'm not that's not. Caping for the program, and it's not caping for the player either. It's just at some point, somebody's got to make a decision, whether it's the player or the program. What, well, you think this.
2: Ohio State bailed on the kid? I'm not saying you they think bailed Ohio on. Ohio State the... said, We don't
0: want you anymore. No, I'm not okay. saying that was the decision. The decision was, We're not sure when this is going to happen, and it doesn't no, seem it like it. To... No, it and... wasn't. The
2: decision was, They realized they weren't getting him, and they took the backup from Indiana. Right. So That's also. Could... A... That's a part of it, but they also they don't what no him. To, they didn't. It, it nobody's wasn't that got him yet. Well, so he, he's not, definitely not coming to Ohio State. Oh yeah, now definitely that's not that's not. But out of he wasn't. That's why they took the Indiana guy. They did not say no thank you to him. They realized they weren't getting him, so they took the Indiana guy. That's I'm not getting bait and switched. That's all. It's not. It, they did, this is not Ohio State's decision. It's not. He didn't. He chose not. He said, "I'm not doing Ohio State." So Ohio State moved on. That's the. Fa- that's. There's no way that's not what happened.
0: I'm not gonna rule out that Ohio State felt like he was going in another direction, even if he didn't come out and say it. Continue. All right. So what? So. That's. So at this point, they went and got Joey Brunk, who is a guy who averages 19 minutes a game and five points per game. And at this point, it's Kyle Young and Zed Key are your big man, and this guy's your backup, and he's going to play a lot of minutes when you play Hunter Dickinson. Is it good? At, is
2: like is this enough? I mean, the big man, like the, we're waiting for sort of this last big man, right? So Kyle Young is back, which also I think happened in the last mm-hmm. couple of days, right? So Kyle Young, Zed Key. And I keep saying, okay, Efton, is it Efton Reed or Efren Reed? Efton Eftin Efton Reed. And is it Joey Bunk or Joey Brunk? Brunk. Joey Brunk. Joey Brunk, Zed Key, and Kyle Young. Is that enough? Is that enough size for a team that had occasionally lacked size a year ago?
0: Yeah, it is because of what they want them to do, especially Joey Brunk. Efton reads a five-star, get it, but that's not why they needed the big man. They didn't need a big man that they could give the ball to and and do a lot of different – they just need a big man who can protect the rim and finish on the other end and play the dunker spot. And and so that way that um, EJ Liddell doesn't have to guard big man and go score 20 points for you as well, he can focus more on that side of the ball. So, yeah, from that standpoint of what they needed from a big man, Joey Brunk solves that issue even if he's not – you know, the shiniest name. I understand that it feels like a bait and and switch. You got bait and and Um, switch. The last
2: time we had a podcast, you thought the five-star big man was coming to Ohio State.
0: I did. And And now you're
2: on this podcast saying, oh, they're fine. I'm not
0: not saying – what I'm saying is for what they need for a big man, it's fine. It's not like, oh, they needed a big man who was going to be an All-American, and instead they got the guy who's going to give you 12 minutes a night. And, yeah, I'd be a little bit more unalarming about it. But because of what they need the big man to do, it's fine, even if it's not the shiniest object. Now you're playing – now you don't play this in in football. If Ohio State
2: football tried to replace a five-star recruit with a three-star transfer, you would not be talking about shiny object. Don't come on – and and act like if we say, hey, they didn't get a five-star, we're playing shiny object. We're talking about talent. And I'm not blaming Ohio State for not getting the guy. It's rough. I understand it. But I am not going to sit on this podcast and allow the Ohio State message of it's all fine to be the reality because it's not the same. So we uh, can you at least say – the guy they ended up getting to be the big man is not as good as the guy they thought they were going to get for the last two months. Could you say correct. that on this podcast? Yes,
0: they did not get the most talented op- option. You are 100% correct. I okay. Will agree Okay, and does that.
2: talent matter? Or are we just talking shiny yes. objects? No, or are we no, Are not ta- talking yes.
0: actual Yes, it matters that they did okay. not get the best possible option Don't on the table. shiny
2: object me on this podcast. I'm not, well, okay, Don't but it is, on no. this podcast and act like talent. It is different, though. It's shiny object.
0: But it is different when you put the context behind it. When you're talking about a basketball player versus a football player, the context is they
2: thought they were going to get him and they didn't get him. I'm not okay, blaming, them and that's fine. For but again, for what I'm the not f- going to pretend it's
0: not a loss. I'm not either. What I am simply saying is, for what they need for a big man, Joy Brunk can do that. No, he is not the most talented option that they could have gotten to do that job, but he can do that job. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that oh, – I'm not excusing the fact that he didn't get the five-star. You should have got the five-star. But at least you got – no, but at least you got a guy who could at least do the role that you wanted that five-star to do. And it doesn't require a five – Joey Brock doesn't have to be a five-star to do the role that Ohio State needs him to, to do. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Let's talk about
2: this defense. And as we go back and look at the defensive efficiency in the last nine years – one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine – since 2012, four times they have been a top 10 defense, Ohio State. 2015, that's everybody coming back from the national championship. So we know what that looks like Joey Bowes to so Darren Lee, Von Bell, all that. 2016, they were, that's the amazing secondary. That's Malik Hooker, Garyon Conley, Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore. That is like a secondary that blows your mind. 2017, they were, That's all the defensive linemen, right? I think I'm getting this right. That's like Nick Bosa as a sophomore with Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard and Jalen Holmes. They have so many defensive ends, they don't know what to do. And then 2019 is Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. We know what that looks like. So when you think about what a top 10 Ohio State defense looks like, that's some dudes. That is like there are things where there are first-rounders and high draft picks like overflowing. That's what a top 10 defense looks like. They also had three times in there, 2013, 2018, and 2020, where they were outside the top 25 as a defense. And we know what that looks like. 2013, they had some issues. They, had some, they got some injuries. They didn't know how to replace Christian Bryant. They lost to Michigan State because they couldn't stop Connor Cook in the Big Ten Championship game. We know what 2018 looks like. We know what 2020 looks like. That's when you're not good enough. And like everybody all year is kind of like, oh, like gritted teeth like this isn't good enough. Then you have 2012 and 2014. Those were the only two years in the last nine where they weren't the top 10 and they weren't outside the top 25. So that to me is like, good, not great, but not bad. They were ranked number 20 in 2012. That's like John Simon, like that kind of defense, right? And in 2014, that was Joey Bosa and all these guys we just talked about kind of coming into their own over the course of the year. 20th and 14th, I am using those guardrails to think about where do I think this Ohio State defense might finish in defensive efficiency in 2021? Nathan, we, we, we're like, we're setting the standards now, right? There's like top 10. There's kind of like in the 30s and 40s and 50s, like not good enough. And then there's like in between the
1: good in the teens, right? Where do you think they might be, Nathan. Roughly, I was thinking somewhere around, like, the like 30th. Like, somewhere in that 25th to 35th range, um, giving yourself some wiggle. So, right around 30th would be about where I would call it. Uh, because I, I think they're going to take a step forward as a pass defense. I'm not sure that they won't regress a little bit as a run defense. Kind of what I was getting at before. When you lose all those linebackers, you lose Tommy Togiai. I mean, they were sixth last year in the country. That seems like something where there could be not a, not a, not a cratering, but a regression. Not, not a regression back even necessarily to a lower tier, but from the rankings, I would expect a little regression. So I was thinking that maybe they can take enough of a step forward on, on as a secondary and as a pass rush to get them back towards where they could be a t- top 25 defense, but maybe a little bit short of that. So I, as I said, 30th. But like you would consider
2: that a somewhat significant improvement over a year I think it's ago. A huge,
1: yeah, I think it's a great improvement over a year ago. I mean, that would be you said they were 49th, forty seventh, forty seventh. So I might even be undershooting it a little bit. It might be closer to twenty fifth and thirtieth. But I, I think that's still a, a big jump. I think if people are expecting this to return to a an elite defense this season, I think that might be getting a little uh, out over your skis. But I think they're going to take what will be a significant jump. I think you shouldn't under sell how big of a jump it would be to get back into that like top 25, top 30 tier. All right. So you're
2: like 25 to
1: 30 or so, Stephen, we've set up sort
2: of the standards here, sort of three tiers. Where do you think they'll come in?
0: Yeah, I think I agree with, I think their ceiling is 15 to 20 in that range, just leaving room for somebody to pop in the secondary. Like, I mean, you just named all the second year guys, what if Ryan Watts is just awesome by the time we get to the fall? What if Cam Martinez or later Ransom is just awesome? What if Nathan's right and Seven Banks was pretty quality next year and then he just takes a jump that maybe none of us expected him to take? So I'm going to leave some room open for that and put them 18th, right in the middle of 1520. 20. I go
1: for 18th. And I was going to say real quick, I think those guys may pop. I think somebody will pop in the secondary. But again, as I said before, it's a progression over a season. So, when yep. you're talking about what, where will they rank over the course of a season? I think this might be a team that we're talking about. Hey, they only rank 31st in the nation in that defensive efficiency, but here's what they've done over the last four games coming into the playoff, that sort of thing.
2: I do think when you talk about, I think if we said like, what are the maybe the three biggest issues with the defense last year, right? Sort of like positionally and what wasn't quite, quite right. So, I think we'd say the deep safety spot. I think Josh Proctor's settling in there, he's the guy. We had discussions all off season. What are you going to do? Did, can Josh Proctor play two spots? He's the answer. He's the deep safety. No one's going to beat him out. He's not, he's, and I think that has to be him there all year has to be better than what they got at deep safety last year, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're all in agreement with that. Even though like Josh Proctor is part of the problem from last year that he, he got beat out and the guy who beat him out wasn't that great and it took him a long time to kind of get it. And all, I think that'll be better. Slot corner we don't know where Marcus Williamson's going to wind up. He didn't play on Saturday. I don't want to forget him I don't want to invalidate what he did. He played the third most snaps in the secondary last year but it feels like they'll be better at slot corner because there are more options. if Marcus Williamson can beat out Lathan Ransom and Cam Martinez more power to him but that probably means he's playing better than he did last year or it's going to be Cam Martinez and Lathan Ransom That was another problem spot, right? As much as the outside corners had issues at times last year, we all felt like sort of slot corner had the most issues. I think that'll be better, right? Do we all sort of agree with that?
1: Yes, and I also think I wouldn't discount the fact that there's other options if they get back to rotating the way they used to. Why did Kerry Combs rotate those guys? He thought it made them all better. So maybe Marcus Williamson still starts and plays more snaps on those other guys, but if those other guys rotate in, maybe it makes that whole position better.
0: Agreed. Yeah, he also rotated but because he, he could,
1: you know. Yep. I mean, we've got right, three first-rounders. But, but he couldn't last year. I don't think right, he, he thought he had a, another no, slot you're right. to put on the
0: field. Right. So if they are rotating, I mean, the last time they did it is because they had three not saying that's, that's, that's going to be the case. But rotating is probably a good sign in the secondary. Right. You either rotate from weakness or you rotate from strength. Yeah. It feels like they would be more
2: rotating from strength. And last year, they couldn't. Marcus Williamson may wind up playing the most snaps at slot corner, but he won't play as many as he did last year because they'll at least somebody else be part of the mix. And frankly, I think we all think it's possible by the time we get to the season, it might be more Ransom and Martinez than anybody else. And then the other thing is getting home with the pressure. And if Zach Harrison, everybody talked about how great he was all spring. If Tyreek Smith has a pop kind of season, you know, Jonathan Cooper saved them in a lot of ways last year, but also Jonathan Cooper, was not a first-round defensive end, and they're used to first-round defensive ends. Jonathan Cooper's going to go in the sixth or seventh round. So it just tells you Jonathan Cooper was their best defensive end, I think, last year, but he wasn't as good as the best Ohio State defensive end usually is. With improvements, and this is an area where as much as everyone's excited about Jack Sawyer, really it is about improvements because it really is about Harrison and Smith raising their level, Sawyer giving them a shot here and there, I think they'll be better. Steven, I I think the defensive ends will get home more. I'm assuming that. Is that a safe assumption?
0: Yeah, I think it is, and that will help a lot. Yes, as great as the secondary was in 2019, and even in 2016 with Marshawn Lattimore and Gary Conley and whatnot, look at what that defensive line was that they were playing with. So, I mean, so if they're getting sacks or if quarterbacks have to get rid of the ball that much quicker because they're worried about getting sacked, that helps the secondary. And it's not, it doesn't leave a lot of time for a lot of these long developing routes like Indiana was able to do when they were throwing 45-yard bombs all over the place. You can't do that if you're worried about Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith and Haskell Garrett being in your lap every other snap. So then the three biggest issues from last year's defense
2: we think will improve. So I'm going to say I think they'll finish in the teams because I don't think it'll be a top-10 defense because when we talk about top-10 defense, it's like show me your Joey Bosa, show me your Marshawn Lattimore, show me your Denzel Ward, show me your Nick Bosa, show me your Taequann Lewis, show me your Chase Young, show me your Jeff Okuda. I'm not sure about that. Now, maybe, right? I mean, maybe somebody will have that kind of year, but I'm not sure who it is. I'm not not sure who the All-American is on the defense, and I know Haskell Garrett was last year. I don't know who the first round pick is on the defense, like for sure. I don't know. So I can't assume they're going to be a top 10 defense, but I think they can be that next year. I think they can be the 16th best defense in the country or the 13th best defense in the country or the the 21st, right? So I'm slightly above where you were, Nathan, kind of in the range of where Steven was. And then if we think that the question is, is that good enough to win a national championship? So we'll get to the numbers on this, Nathan. Your gut feeling, if they're in the teens or 20s, can they win a national championship that way, given what we think this offense will be in 2021?
1: I think if they're what I predicted and more like about 25-30, they could still win a national championship. I think that's been proven the last couple of years. And I I think that's an interesting maybe topic here is like, are we in a – like there's a difference between a trend and a hot spot, and we may just be in a hot spot. But the last two teams to win national championships, their defense was fine. It's fine because they were amazing on offense. But,
2: uh, and I'll have the numbers there, mm-hmm. uh, there were, you're right. It depends what your definition of fine is, but you're right. Steven, is your instinct, before we get to the numbers, is your instinct? Yes, Steven, if they're in the teens, twenties, that's good enough.
0: Yeah, I think, cause I think we're getting right headed down in this direction. So I'll just say it. I think if they're a defense that gives up anywhere from 18 to 24 points a game, they can win a national championship. So, Nathan, to your point, in
2: 2019, LSU, by this defensive efficiency metric, LSU was first in offense, 13th in defense. Alabama in 2020, first in offense, 20th in defense. So, if you're saying you can have a defense in the teens or 20s and win the national championship, that's true if you have the best offense. Right. so. Will they have the best offense? That's that I that's gonna be the hard thing here of, and we're not having an offensive discussion. We all know the deal, right? So 2018, Clemson, when they won the national title with Trevor Lawrence, they were seventh in offense, they were second in defense. So over the years, again, by this efficiency metric, the 28 playoff teams, how many times were they ranked in the top 10 in offense or defense? 17 of those 28 teams had a top 10 offense. And 15 of those 28 teams had a top 10 defense. So pretty, pretty close, right? About half the time, a little more than half the time, you're in the top 10 on at least one side of the ball. Not in the top 25 in efficiency on either side of the ball. Offense, only two only two offenses of the 28 playoff teams were not in the top 25 in offensive efficiency. One was Michigan state in 2015, which is sounds right. Cause that wasn't really a playoff team. They just beat Ohio state. And I mean, they, they got in the playoff, but they were not a typical playoff team. And the other was Notre Dame in 2018. So those are the only two times you didn't have a top 25 offense, but six times on defense. Did you not have? a top 25 defense. Now, Stephen, three of those times were by a single program that they made the playoff without a top 25 defense. <laughs> Which national, quote, powerhouse has made the playoff and had a non-top 25 defense three of those times? Ohio
0: State, I'm going to guess.
2: Oh, come on, man. It's,
0: it's Wait, it's, no. What? It's Norman no. Middle School. It's yes, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Wow, Oklahoma. Wow.
2: <laughs> the Norman Middle School defense in 2017, they, Oklahoma made it with the number one offense. and you the call fifth it
0: Norman Middle School?
2: <laughs> and the fifth Bud Wilkerson Elementary School, the 59th best defense in 2017. In 2018, Oklahoma had the number one offense and the 104th ranked defense. And in 2019, they had the number four offense and the 69th ranked defense. So what that is proving is that if you are super elite on offense, you can drag your sorry defense into the playoff. You're not going to win it, but Oklahoma has proven you can drag a sorry defense into the playoff.
0: If you're in the Big 12 where everybody else also doesn't play defense, so you're scoring True. 75 points a game.
2: True. But this actually spins this around a little bit of, will Ohio State's offense be good enough, right? that With your core, like, you kind of need oh, – 26 of the 28 offenses were in the top 25. Last year, the teams in the playoff, Bama had was the best offense. Ohio State was third. Clemson 11th. Notre Dame 17th. 2019. LSU was one, Ohio State three, Oklahoma four, Clemson five. The playoff was four of the five best offenses in the country. 2018, Oklahoma one, Bama two, Clemson seven, Notre Dame 29. This is just like the great offenses make it with a pretty good defense. So I think we are establishing, Nathan, that Ohio State can make it with the defense that's pretty good. It's going to be hard to make it. I do think this. They are almost an outlier last year. Like, okay, so last year they were third in offense and 47th in defense. That's approaching Oklahoma territory, honestly, right? Like not quite as bad. But I don't know if you can count on an Oklahoma offense this year, right? I mean, this is the whole question about the quarterback. The rest of it, you can. Receiver, you can. Offensive line, you can. Tight end, you can. Running back, you probably can. Play caller, you can. The quarterback, you don't know. Will they have a top 10 offense? That's probably a different podcast. So, Nathan, part of it is the defense has to be better than last year, maybe, right? But it also might need to be a little even better than that because the offense might not be a top 10 offense in 2021. So there really is quite a bit more of a load maybe the defense is going to have to carry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think undoubtedly the margin for error for this year's team is smaller than it was last year. And it's because, you know, think back to the Clemson game. Think back to the playoff semifinal. Ohio State's defense that game got some accolades for how it played, and I think some of it was deservedly so. They really took Travis Etienne out of things. They didn't really give Trevor Lawrence a a lot of, um, you know, room to think and and, and time to move and things like that. So they did a good job, but really it was the combination of the run defense and Ohio State's offense that made Clemson one-dimensional in that game. Clemson had to throw the ball a lot in that game. They ended up getting yardage out of it, but, you know, they made them a one-dimensional offense in that game. I don't think, I don't know that this offense will do that from day one this year. But I think as with the defense, I think there's, it's something you're going to see grow over the course of the year just because you're relying on so many young guys. You would think whoever wins this quarterback job will be better against Michigan than he is against Minnesota. Like, he just almost has to be. If Trevon Henderson probably isn't the same running back on day one that he is on week 12. Like, I, I think you're going to see some of that progression over the course of the year. I think this can still be a very dangerous offense just because of the weapons they have at receiver. But I do think that the margin for error is smaller.
2: So does this affect anybody's evaluation of whether, like, the defense will be good enough for them to win a national championship? Because it's like, you can't exactly answer, right? I mean, it's like, well, the defense will be good enough to win a national championship. It's like, well, tell me what the offense is going to do. Right? If Justin Fields was a quarterback, it's like, yeah, I think the talent's better on defense. They'll get some things straightened out. This defense will be good enough. There might be some situations where this defense, Steven, do you think it's possible? I don't even know what, what possible means. 33% chance that this defense might have to win Ohio State a tough game in 2021, like against Oregon or against Penn State or against Michigan, or even the opener against Minnesota, where the offense is a little off-kilter, and is it possible they're going to have to beat a good opponent like 21-17? to Like, is that possible, or would that surprise you when you've got Olave and Jackson Smith-Dijigba and Garrett Wilson and Trivion Henderson and Thayer Munford, and like, they'll be
0: fine. They'll be putting up 40 on everybody. I won't rule it out for the Minnesota game just because it's game one. But other than that, this isn't an offensive pot, so I don't want to go too deep with the offensive side of things. But I just feel like we were having similar conversations when Justin first got here after the spring game of it might take a year. Whether the quarterback's not that good. I think you wrote a story basically saying you can't expect Justin Fields to be Dwayne Haskins in year one. Correct. And and then, I mean, (laughs) he was better. (laughs) <laughs> he's a so Heisman finalist I, I i want to leave room for where it's we're doubting it right now and we should be after we saw the spring game and everything else and we don't actually know who starting quarterback is but i want to leave room for i'll just put my name on it cj Stroud wins the job and then against minnesota he's ugly in drive one and then after that he finishes the day with 300 passing yards and three touchdowns i don't think that's I don't think it's crazy if the score of the, the Sugar Bowl, forty nine to twenty eight, is how Ohio State just wins every game this year. So, so to the playoff, go ahead, Nathan.
1: Well, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, let's go back to 2019. What was the score of the Penn State game? It was like twenty eight, seventeen Ohio State won that. I mean that wasn't they didn't yeah. blow them off the field. I mean that's similar. It's it's, it's 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 a little more comfortable than what you're talking about, Doug. But it's in that ballpark, right? And yeah. I think that the Michigan State game, uh, the home Michigan State game, was close through going into the third quarter. Like they they had some other games that year where it was the defense setting the tone, and then the offense eventually just kind of took off, took took off. So and I can def- the Penn more like
0: games I'll agree with – if they get the same situation both at home, I'll agree. if the Penn State game is like that, I, I can see that. But then the Minnesota game, what if it's just ugly for a quarter? But I'm just and, not going to rule out that maybe we're just – we need to just think, what if the quarterbacks is awesome from day one? And it while Justin Fields was
2: being awesome, there were multiple games that year. Multiple games. Maybe, I don't know, seven. Where if you would have said, name the player who won the game for Ohio State today, your answer would have been Chase Young. Yeah,
0: that's true.
2: And if we're playing name the defensive player who will win games for Ohio state in 2021, I don't know. Maybe Zach Harrison, maybe, maybe Josh Proctor, maybe Haskell Garrett. I don't know. Right. But like, there's not an answer like chase young. It was quite a thing for Justin as he was awesome to know that like, well, when the other quarterback goes on the field, that guy is going to be trying to, rip his kneecaps off and shove them in his ears like what a wonderful thing it's just quite a thing so I do like you know I don't know that it affected how Justin played but I don't know that anybody felt like well if Justin Fields doesn't throw for 350 yards today we're toast you'd be like no Chase and Jeff have this well Justin's gonna be good but so are Chase and Jeff
0: You know, I do. I do agree with when you're starting every other drive from the 50 yard line, it can make it very easy to go out there and be awesome. So, yeah, I I think somebody's got to. I'm not going to say Chase. They have to be as good as Chase Young, but somebody on that defense has to step up and be a guy where if. CJ or Jack or Kyle fumbles a couple of times in the red zone, like that's what happened against Penn State. They start the ball control got weird. Or if he throws a weird interception, it doesn't matter because this guy on the defensive end shut that down immediately and they couldn't turn it into points. I
1: mean, there's another X factor here, too. Is Indiana's defense better than it was a year ago? How good is Oregon's defense? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some other things here when you start talking about is this defense going to have to go win another game? And it's we, – we sometimes – we have these conversations, a lot of times they are about – Ohio State playing to the Ohio State standard or Ohio State playing to national rankings. But in the end of the day, they play another team. And by and large, they're always going to be more talented than those teams. But if Indiana takes – I mean, it was an okay defense last year. If they take another step forward against state and Ohio State offense, it isn't as good. I mean, that, that puts more pressure on – puts more responsibility on the Ohio State defense. But what we are talking about we, – we are the context is we're talking about
2: making the playoff, right, because that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about, the 28 teams that have made the playoff. But then we are really talking about beating Spencer Rattler, beating JT Daniels, beating DJ, beating Bryce Young. Like that's that's actually what we're talking about in the end, not just getting in there like Oklahoma with, you know, a great offense and a crappy defense and then getting your doors blown off. So let's do this as the final thing I'll put you guys on the spot for on not a market down Tuesday, but kind of. The last nine years, Ohio State – has been ranked higher in offensive efficiency than defensive efficiency five times and four times the defense has been ranked higher for instance in 2014 as the defense was ranked 14th JT Barrett second year redshirt freshman quarterback that offense was second mostly because Ezekiel Elliott just started running people over right but you also had you know, that, but that was, again, we talked about that a lot. It's like JT just sort of getting stuff done, If you got Michael Thomas and Ezekiel Elliott and Jalen Marshall and Evan Spencer and guys who can make you look good. So I do think it's a reasonable comparison. But as much as that defense was really good and really talented, the offense was ranked higher. In the end, the offense was ranked higher. Nathan, what will be ranked higher?
1: Offense. I mean, let's not overthink this too much. They, they might have uh, one of the best offensive lines in the country. They have maybe the two best receivers in the country, whichever quarterback they end up with. I mean, I, I didn't look at the spring game and think any of those guys were, like, bad quarterbacks. I know Jack Miller didn't have a great game, but, like, they're going to have a talented quarterback. They, they've got guys in the backfield that we know can produce. The offense will be better.
0: Steven, agree? Yeah, offense. They might end up being number one in the country on offensive efficiency. There's just too many, there's too many weapons for that quarterback to completely fail yeah
2: well, there's a difference between completely failing and being number one I, I, yeah, nobody right. thinks yeah, the quarterbacks going to completely fail but but if we're but if we're talking about that, so if we're settling on this right, it sounds like we're settling on an offense, let's say at least in the top ten and a defense in the teens or twenties, and then you look at history and that's in range right i mean that that is probably enough to get it done so like, okay, let, let, let's, let's see if that works. You know, um, Alabama has often done it with, like, a pretty good offense and a, and a stone-cold defense. They had the number one ranked defense in 15 and 16. Bama's offenses were 24 and 15 when they did that. You know, like, um, it's, it, Clemson's done it often with kind of a balance. Clemson in 2016 was sixth in offense, ninth in defense. Right. We know LSU and Bama the last two years have done it with the best offense and a good but not top 10 defense. So there's different ways to do it. But you've got to be in range. And really, if you're going to win it all, you can't be terrible on one side of the ball. And you've really got to be pretty good at both. And so, okay, I think we figured out that the defense in the end, Nathan, because you were this was kind of where you were all last year was, Will the defense be good enough. And then the defense, like, I don't even know how you would have answered that question. Was the defense good enough? Because, like, it was ranked 47th. It wasn't up to the Ohio State standard, but they also made the national championship game. So I don't even know what the right answer to the question was. Was Ohio State's defense good enough in 2020? What actually is the answer to that question?
1: It was, it was good enough to make the national championship game under those circumstances. But, again, you needed, you needed a game from that offense against Clemson that was – let's. we have to be honest, right, that was the peak of that offense – over a two year period just just clicking in, in every possible way that night. If they get and it's it's impossible to say this if you get a different offensive performance maybe it's it's a tougher game. But I mean I I, I don't think I was wrong with some of the questions I had. Right? I mean because we asked correct. those questions we kept no, asking those questions all season. Mm-hmm. But but I think is what it turned out was the offense was so good that it it wasn't what held them back except against Alabama, but who was gonna stop Alabama that night.
0: But also, given what the the games they ended up playing, you said it was forty seventh last year. I mean, it probably yeah. would have been closer to twenty eighth if you add in the Maryland, Illinois games. Some of those, if you had a full twelve game schedule where every se- where the bulk of your schedule is against teams who can't kill you offensively, it well, probably you- goes up.
1: And if you stop taking two or three of their best defensive players off the field for the biggest games of the year. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like where so would they, how, much,
1: how much higher would they have finished than 122nd if you had just put Tyreek Smith and Tommy Togiai and whoever right. else was missing from the national championship game?
2: Yeah, they did. I mean, everybody dealt with COVID last year, but Ohio State really dealt with it. I mean, they, yeah. they definitely had guys in and out in a way that not every team dealt with it to that extent now they also would have played oregon they also would have played michigan so they had some good teams taken off the schedule but your point is taken steven you take the mac team off you lose a couple of those lower level big 10 games and they would have with the best players on defense would have posted you know probably held them to 10 points in some of those games so okay i think so i think in the end at this point we're arriving at the conclusion that yeah the defense whatever good enough means and we still are whatever good enough meant in 2020 I think it'll be good enough in 2021 and that, and I think the thing we would remind our listeners is that it probably won't be a top 10 defense, but it probably doesn't have to be a top 10 defense. And that's where all this fits together because nobody is out here hanging banners for where you ranked in defensive efficiency. I'll ask, I'll ask Ryan day if they have any of those in the Woody, they have a thing of like, you know, 2019 Ohio state Buckeyes. second. In defensive efficiency, third in offensive efficiency. Woo, you don't hang that up. They lost to clubs in the semifinal, you know? So it, it serves a purpose, and I think it, it will serve the purpose that they want it to serve because they're getting, they have nine guys, in addition to these linebackers, these fourth-year linebackers who haven't played, right? So that's another, that's like a, another influx of like more than 10 guys who just have not done anything that probably should do something to help this defense in 2021. All right, we'll come back with the Big Wednesday pod with some rapid fire and a re-evaluation of the Nathan Baird depth chart experience. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com OSU. Listen to Buckeye Talk five days a week and read, what did I say? cleveland.com OSU. Oh, the text, 614-350-3315. All right, for Stephen and Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was... Fuck I